There are a lot of things in the Bible that are weird. For instance, taking a rib out of a man to create a woman. That sounds strange to you. Or how about if you work on the Sabbath, you die. Or you talk back to your parents, you die. Some of your parents may want to read that to your kids. Some insects are to be detestable, i.e. don't eat them. But there are other insects you are allowed to eat. I don't want to eat any insects, as far as that goes. Do not wear clothing woven of two kinds of material. Leviticus 19 says you're not supposed to trim your sideburns or your beard. I think that's for guys. No tattoos are allowed, according to the law. And you say, well, that's the Old Testament. Okay, let's go into the New. How about being baptized for dead people? No one's fully figured that one out. And when's the last time you saw a Christian greet another Christian with a holy kiss? And what's a holy kiss anyway? Is that different from a normal kiss? It's commanded several times in the New Testament. And in the first few centuries of the church, it was getting out of control. So they actually had kissing regulations. Weird. How about women wearing head coverings in worship? Or women keeping silent in the church? That's not happening. How about men raising their hands when we pray? Why don't we do that? We talk about being a Bible church and the Bible is our guide. Really? There are a lot of things in the Bible that either we don't obey or we don't understand or they're just weird, and mostly because it's a different culture, I suppose, but there's still some principles in them. But whenever anyone says, I'm following the Bible, I'm tempted to laugh. How about those bug verses? Are you eating the right kind of insects? Or when Jesus said, be perfect, how are you doing on that? There are some oddities in the Bible, and there's some unusual parts in there. And Daniel 10 is one of those passages, just unusual, contains uh, some things that we don't normally think of, but I think these are vital, important elements for prayer. We're in this series called Living Vertically because we're way too horizontal. A church can get so horizontal that it's dead, permanently horizontal. And we're way too distracted with all the things going on and too busy and we miss out on what's really good and really important. And my hope in this series throughout this summer is we will get a taste of the Lord and taste that He is good and that He will fill us and we'll be full of His glory and we'll be seeking Him because once we start experiencing this God, these other distractions become become minor and you're going to want more of Him. And one way to this vertical life is through prayer. So I'm going to read this, and I want you to envision this scene. You have to use your imagination on this. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Belteshazzar. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of this message came to him in a vision. And then Daniel speaks. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine, touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until three weeks we're over. Now Daniel receives this revelation and this vision about a war, and living vertically, by the way, means we recognize there are some forces and powers beyond, beyond us that are fighting. And our battle is not flesh and blood, it's spiritual. There's a war going on right now in every one of your lives. Every one of you is in a battle, and so am I. In fact, when I was writing this sermon, I heard about a serious accident, Rick and Cindy Wilhelm, as most of you have heard now, Wally died leaving a gaping hole in our hearts in our church. Then I got a word of another marital problem. And then Carol Petrie was in a car accident and asked, what's going on? 
You know, and that's just the visible. That's what we can see. As some of you are fighting emotional battles, there's relational battles, and spiritual forces are active and alive today. Daniel goes into this three-week period of mourning, he calls it. It's actually just fasting and prayer. Fasting to us is kind of weird too, isn't it? It shouldn't be, but it is. So he's praying and fasting, and then on the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz, around his waist, his body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. What is this? Okay. He has this vision of some supernatural being. I think I have a picture up here. There we go. Maybe it looks something like that. I, I, I don't know. We can't fully describe it. So at the end of this 21 day of prayer and fasting, Daniel sees this dazzling appearance of this person, this visitation from God, which in itself is a little weird and unusual. Going on, verse 7, I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. Duck, get under your seats, hide. We're in the presence of supernatural here, and they run. So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. And then I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, who are you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you, and stand up, for I've now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Now, Daniel's a jellyfish here. He falls to the ground. He faints. He cannot speak. This angel has to touch him once. He actually touches him three times in this whole text to restore his strength. And all through this, he's shaking like a leaf and later even has trouble breathing in the presence of this supernatural power. And it's a vivid reminder and a picture of our finite, weak nature and that there are powers way beyond us, more powerful than us, and our flesh and blood is frail. It's a good reminder of our smallness. Then he continued, verse 12, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, in other words, since you began praying, your words were heard and I have come in response to them. Daniel's prayer was heard. The angel responded the first day that Daniel humbled himself. Heaven reacts when Daniel prays. But, verse 13, the prince of the Persian kingdom, who's that, resisted me 21 days and then Michael, one of the chief princes, who's that, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Persia was the dominant world power of that time, considered evil. And this angelic being tells Daniel, the prince of Persia resisted him. More than likely, the prince of the Persian kingdom is, a, is the guardian angel or demon of Persia, a powerful evil demon. Do we have a picture? Something maybe like that. I don't know. We just Google these on the internet, you know. So Persia had this guardian demon or angel. Does the United States have a guardian angel or demon? Does China? I don't know. But they did. And later in this chapter, Greece had a demon as well. 
So the angel tells Daniel, as soon as he started praying, this angel, he says, I started coming to you, but this demon of Persia waylaid me for three weeks, and then Michael, one of the chief angels, came to help this angel against the Persian demon. Basically, a fight is going on between the angels of God and this Persian demon. Later in the chapter, the angel tells Daniel he's going to go back and fight this guy again, and then he'll have to confront the Greek angel or demon, whatever you want to call him, because Greece was the up-and-coming power. And we don't have time to get in all the interpretations and applications and some whatever of this text, but it gives us a glimpse into what happens when we pray, and I, we desperately need to see this. So some of the things here are weird, but they'll help us pray. Number one, things happen when we pray even though we may not see them. For three weeks, Daniel fasts and prays, and as far as he can tell, nothing is happening. He has no idea what's going up on in the invisible realm, and most of us can relate to that. We pray and nothing happens. At least from our perspective, we don't see anything. But there's this whole other dimension, a whole spiritual world we do not see. What is unseen to Daniel and hidden to him is that his prayer sparked a battle among these unseen combatants in the spiritual realm, the angel of God against this angel of Persia. And so things happen even though we may not see it. And you have to believe that if you're going to be an effective prayer. Now, why did the angel come? Verse 12, it says, your words were heard. And I came in response to them. The angel says, I came because you prayed, Daniel. None of this would have occurred if you hadn't prayed. So our prayers matter, people. Our prayers make a difference. For 21 days or silence, you may go 21 years and hear silence and nothing. And the reason nothing happened is the angel of God was delayed by this demonic force that stood in his way. Now, at the 513 service next Sunday... Now, we've had some of them before. I've never seen anything happening that night when we prayed. But later, I'll hear about things. Someone said that was a turning point in their life. So we pray. We may not see anything, at least not right away. But sometimes later, you'll see, oh, God did do something. And that's why it's called faith. We believe God will react when we pray sincerely. So for 21 days, this angel's coming to Daniel has been delayed because the demon resisted him. There was basically a demonic roadblock. The word Satan, by the way, in Hebrew is a common noun meaning obstruction, a blockage. Sometimes it's translated adversary. And part of the reason we don't see answers to prayer, there is an adversary blocking things, hindering the work and the will of God. So when we pray, both sides spring into action. God's side and the adversarial side. We may pray for a situation to improve, and so far we haven't seen any improvement. In fact, it looks like the situation is worse. Is that, and it looks like things are getting worse because I pray. And it might mean that the adversary has now sprung into action and is blocking the will of God. But I want you to see prayer activates the forces of heaven. It connects us with a different realm, energizes these, these forces, these spiritual forces we do not see. It's weird, I know, but it's real. Second thing, we don't usually associate prayer, but it has a role in politics. Persia and Greece were the dominant world powers, like U.S. and China today, powerful forces. But prayer is more powerful than these superpowers. Now, did prayer or God have anything, I was wondering about this, a couple of weeks ago, Britain came out of the European Union. Did prayer and the hand of God have anything to do with that? Did prayer or God have anything to do with the rise of Donald Trump or Bernie Sanders? 
I do believe the main reason the Iron Curtain came down is not Ronald Reagan, and it's not our diplomacy or our bombs. The main reason was the prayer of God's people. Now, that didn't make the news, but when you know the rest of the story and read what was going on behind the scenes, it was a spiritual thing. The reason apartheid ended without major upheaval in South Africa is the prayer of God's people. Let me read you these words. I don't even know who said it, but I kept this quote. Prayer can do what political action, social revolution, and economic upswing cannot do. Far more of our nation's life is shaped by prayer than is formed by legislation. That we have not collapsed into anarchy is due more to prayer than to police. That society continues to be livable and that hope continues to be resurgent are attributable to prayer far more than business prosperity or a flourishing of the arts. The single most important action contributing to whatever health and strength that there is in our land is prayer. You want to be a good American? You want to do the best for your country? You know, this weekend we're, you know, celebrating our country's independence. What is the best thing I can do? Join the army? Join the NRA? Vote? How about energizing some spiritual forces? How about praying? See, singing God bless America without praying for America is hypocrisy. And we tend to separate prayer from politics. When I pray for America to get some good leaders, is that a naive prayer? Is that impossible? Would we dare pray for Illinois to be a healthy state? Is that silly? Is that just stupid prayer, naive Weber? God can't do anything about that. At one time, it was naive to think that Iron Curtain would ever come down. Some of you are old enough to think. You grew up in the Cold War. You ever thought that would happen in your lifetime? I didn't. At one time, it was naive to think that apartheid could end in South Africa peacefully, but it did. It was a miracle. Even the United States has been called a unique miracle. And when our people quit praying, we quit being with the United States that God intended us to be. We don't see this connection between prayer and politics, and at least not immediately. And so often when we pray, things actually can get worse. But in the invisible realm, realm, things are happening. And one of the best helps for me is just to envision when I pray the forces of good and these angels are getting stronger because I'm praying and they just feed off of that, that prayer. And, and that, so you have this guy in white and he's fighting and then he's fighting against this guy in black, these two wrestlers. And as I pray, the good, can we have the picture up there? As I pray, the good guy's muscles start bristling. See, the good guy's on the right and the obviously the bad guy on the left. And I just imagine that and when I'm praying... I'm feeding the good guy. I'm feeding the good side. And, you know, and I become, and that, that angel becomes like Micah Wakeman or the Incredible Hulk or something like that, or, or even like me, you know, really strong. <laughs> and, uh, and I envision the angels being do, doing more in the spiritual realm because people are praying and, and they're able to win more battles. And when I don't pray, the good angel gets weak. He loses body mass, becomes a 160-pound weakling like me. And overly, I know that's overly simplistic, but it just shows the power of prayer beyond what we see. They make a difference. Even in the political realm where we think we have no power, we have all the power of the universe at our hand. Third weird thing, demons and angels are real. Now, if you haven't figured out by now that I believe that, I'll just say it here. But it seems like the only time we believe in angels or talk about them is either when someone dies, he's an angel now, which is not right, or at Christmas time, we have one on top of the tree. 
The angels sang when Jesus was born, but since then the angels have gone to the beach. They've retired in Florida and they're sipping lemonade. I want you to listen to Ephesians 6.12. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Not against Obama or Hillary or Trump or Iraq or the Muslims or Mexico or the illegals or your ex-spouse or your mother-in-law or your neighbor or your daughter-in-law. Our struggle is against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Behind what we see, beyond what we see, is this realm much more powerful than we can imagine, and we are jellyfish in the presence of these powers. Sometimes we think flesh and blood is the problem. That's my wife, it's my kids, it's my parents, it's my teacher, it's my preacher. No, the problem is not them, and the solution is beyond them. I think when people have problems in the church, if they just got it, just got God, One question that modern American Christians seem to obsess over is why do bad things happen? Why does God allow these things? Why is there so much heartache? And the Bible doesn't really wrestle a lot with the problem of tragedy and illness and why do children die and why disease. The question gets very little systematic treatment in the Bible. And maybe the reason is because the biblical writers knew and they assumed that we would know why bad things happen. We live in a planet ruled by powers intent on blocking and perverting the goodness of God. That's why bad things happen. This planet is ruled by an adversary, the prince of darkness. Satan is described as the god of this age and the spirit that is now at work. Paul speaks of the spirit of this dark world. Of course bad things are going to happen. Duh! On a planet ruled by the evil one, we should expect violence and deception and disease and crime and corruption and all manner of bad stuff. We should expect that he will put up blockades to our prayers and it seems our prayers are worthless and they hit a brick wall because we are in this world ruled by darkness. Listen to Revelation 12, 7. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, the the Satan dragon, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Hallelujah. God wins the victory. I believe this happened when Jesus died and rose from the dead. That victory cast Satan out of heaven. But here's the rest of the story. Verse 12. Therefore rejoice you heavens and you who dwell in them. Satan's gone. But woe to the earth. And the sea, because the devil's gone down to you. And he's filled with fury because he knows his time is short. He is mad. And he's going to do all he can to wreck you. Why does God allow evil on this earth? Duh. Let me introduce you to Satan. Most people have no idea of this unseen realm behind all the stuff that's happening. And the Bible says, most people in the world are blind. Don't see it. Don't get it. And Satan's objective is destructive, it's pain. Would we expect anything else? The Bible says we are foreigners in this world. We don't fit. We are aliens. 1 John 5 says we know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. So we're missionaries, you know, bringing news of another kingdom, another realm, another way of life. And folks, if you've settled in and made this world your home, 
you are not wise. And we just underestimate prayer. I do it. Number four, human history is the interaction of spiritual and human. You go to a theater and watch a play, you know that what you see on stage is not all there is to this play. Behind the curtain, you know, out of sight, there's stuff going on. And the out of sight stuff behind the curtain is what determines what you see on stage. Well, the world is a stage. I think someone famous said that once. And behind the scenes, out of sight, is the real determining action. And prayer is how we join the action behind the curtain. And if we judge prayer based only on what we see, we are then blind. Prayer goes beyond this world, and we won't understand everything that's going on, but by faith, we know our prayers are bringing about a reaction in the heavenly realm. Ephesians 1, Paul says that he prays that our eyes will be open so we can see beyond what we can see. Now, in our culture, we know it's okay to pray. You get on Facebook, everybody's praying. Most Americans pray. Yeah, we'll pray for you. We'll pray for you. Reporters don't make fun of prayer at breakfast held in Washington. Uh, they don't make fun of prayer at a presidential inauguration. It's okay to pray. Just don't get fanatical. Do you remember Pat Robertson? I think he's still around. 700 Club? He has said some embarrassing things. For instance, he once claimed to have moved a hurricane from the United States coast through prayer. He saved the United States from a hurricane by praying. And, of course, in the media, he was mocked. And people snickered. I even rolled my eyes. Shut up, Pat. He makes silly claims that cannot be substantiated. But is he wrong? He believes prayer does something. Do you think prayer can stop a hurricane? Do you? Then why don't we pray? Even in the church, it's okay to pray because that's what churches do and prayers become these harmless, nice, even necessary... Prayer becomes a harmless, nice, even necessary part of church life because that's what we do. But don't take it seriously. The church can be just as secular as the world. It's okay to pray. Just don't believe it's that important and anything will happen. Do you look any different from your neighbor? When it comes to really believing God will do something. There's a Chinese pastor who spent two decades in prison. Of course, the China church has been in persecution. And he was asked, what can Christians in the rest of the world do for you? And every time, without exception, he gives the same answer. You can pray. Tell the American church to pray for us. Now, when we Americans hear that, we want to say, okay, yeah, we'll pray for you. But we want to do something. We want to help. What can we do? He said, that is what you can do. See, Christians who have no access to earthly power like those in China, those who are powerless, they truly believe prayer gives them access to a greater power. And they see prayer as their strongest weapon because they believe in these invisible forces that we read about in the Bible. They believe the Word. They believe that what we, say about, what we would say is the weird side of prayer. They believe it. And the Chinese church today is numbering in the millions upon millions even though they're they're hindered by the government, and they're growing exponentially, almost miraculously, and the American church is dying. The Americans love sports more than they love God, let's just say it. And it's killing our kids. American Christians love their trips and vacations and entertainment more than they love God. I said it. Let's just be honest. 
And the American church is largely dead and does not believe God can or will do anything. Shame on me. But once we taste this God, you will want more. The Chinese church prays. The American church talks about prayer. Live vertically because there's so much more Why do we settle for so little? Why do we settle for sports and vacation when we could have so much more? The real life, the abundant life, Jesus promised. I want you to stand. If you would stand right now. And uh, we did this last week. I want you to do it again. You from, good to have the Haiti people back. You experienced the power of God, didn't you? Amen. I want you to hold, open your hands to the Lord. You can raise them up if you want to. Or just, I want you an attitude of acceptance of God coming into your life. Bow your heads and let's pray. Father, would you forgive us and forgive me? We know you hear us. We know you want to be in us. We know you want to fill us with your glory. And we know you respond to our prayers. And we know that heaven reacts when we humble ourselves before, we know these things in our head. I just, Lord, we need to get this into our heart and our soul. Open our eyes. I pray, Lord, you'll pull back the curtain so we can see that there are powers beyond this realm. Help us to see that the battle is raging and that our participation in this battle is first of all primarily through prayer. Let us see that things do happen. And there is an act of powerful dimension beyond the scenes that is influencing everything we see. And help us realize that this world is ruled by darkness. And we are foreigners. And we don't fit in this world. And Jesus Christ is the only light in this darkness. And your church, we as the disciples, are to reflect that light. Fill this place with you. Our greatest need is you. And we can only ask this because of what Jesus did for us. And it is in his name we ask. Amen.